Hi, this is Greg Harton. I'm the editorial page editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Today, I'm with Rusty Turner, who is our editor uh, of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And we have the opportunity to visit with Bill uh, uh, Harris, who is running for mayor of Fayetteville. He'll be on the ballot as William Harris, uh, but he goes by Bill and uh, he's a 15 year resident of Fayetteville and uh, he uh, does some studying at the University of Arkansas and has a varied background, uh, oil fields in, uh, in Oklahoma, and he's uh, uh, published some books that he's written. And uh, uh, if you wanna share anything about uh, that background, you're welcome to, um, but we welcome you to the interview and just wanted to get uh, started with you describing to us a little bit of your thought process as far as running for mayor of Fayetteville and and uh, what kinds of issues you think are important uh, for the next mayor to, to uh, address. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you, uh, Rusty and Greg. Uh, I'm glad to uh, be able to participate with you in this and we'll get a good recording out of this, I, I'm sure. Uh, I appreciate your uh, uh, helping me participate in this recording. Um, I, uh, I wanna run for mayor because, because actually, I'm very happy with our mayor, but he's been in office for three terms, 12 years. And uh, let, me, let me first say that, uh, that Lionel Jordan is an admirable fellow. He's a good guy and he's a very competent mayor. Here's what happens after 12 years though. You get to meet a certain group of people and they bring you an idea. They have the, uh, the uh, uh, popular support, they can rally that popular support, they can raise the financing. Well, it's a good idea to begin with and they can get it done. So yeah, let's roll with that. And then they come back a few months later with another great idea and they've got the technical support and they can rally the popular support and they can raise the money. So we're gonna do it again. And pretty soon we're in the habit of turning to this group of people that are, have good ideas and they can do it, but uh, we're neglecting a lot of other people out there who can't come to us so ready to get things done. What I'd like to do is reach out to those other people. I'd like to serve more people, serve more people, okay? I want to serve more people by uh, building a swimming pool for the kids. Uh, City Swimming Pool is a small outfit down by Wilson, uh, Wilson Lake uh, in a fairly secluded neighborhood near the university. Everything seems to be on the south end, you know. Um, I want to build a centrally located, large Olympic-sized swimming pool for our kids. When I was in, uh, a kid in uh, my little town on the prairie in Oklahoma, we had an Olympic-sized swimming pool in the 1950s. How about that? It was a great social gathering place for, for the kids in my little town. Uh, as grade schoolers, we were able to get together and get acquainted even before we got up into the, the uh, unified middle school that we all went to. Our kids should have that kind of an advantage. It's important. Another thing about that swimming pool, we've, uh, we've just recently had a, uh, a, a crisis in, uh, in uh, race relations. Golly, I didn't know that. Uh, the people of other races that I know so well are a handful of college professors, a doctor, a lawyer, some uh, family that's involved in charitable activities, a couple of preachers. Uh, 
I didn't know we had that problem. But let me tell you this, if we've got an, a, a race relations crisis and it's official from our city council, we should be able to get a, a bunch of federal money to build that swimming pool because we kind of quit building public swimming pools around the time of desegregation in the late 1950s and 60s. And if we can build a public swimming pool now, we can find out for sure whether we do have such a problem or not. I'd really like to know. And we might be able to send a report, a good finding, uh, back to the rest of the country as to how serious this problem may or may not be, uh, at least under our circumstances. But most of all, I think we can get some funding for it, but most of all, I wanna have that for the kids. Another thing I'd like to do for, uh, any questions about that swimming pool? Uh, we'll go ahead and kind of outline some sure. of your, some okay. of your uh, topics okay. and, and uh, we'll, we'll come back around with uh, other questions on some of those things. Another terrific pro project we have is first of all, we started with a prize winning city library and now we've doubled the size of it, at least from one city block to two city blocks, roughly double the size of it. It should be a super duper library now. And I'm glad, I'm glad we can be proud of that. But on the other hand, I look at the north end of town a few miles away and there's uh, some booming business areas up there on the east side of town, another booming business area, lots of uh, residential areas growing out west. And uh, I think we need to serve those people too. We need to uh, set up a system of library annexes. Now these could be small, they could be uh, specialized with limited kind of activities, and they could even be as portable as you can possibly make a library, okay? So what I'd like to see up north is a business-oriented library annex with a miniature law library. Let's see, that'd have your, uh, that'd have your uh, uh, U.S. code annotated, Arkansas code annotated. You'd have the Corpus Juris Secundum and the, and the uh, uh, American Jurisprudence the Second. You'd want to have the Federal Code of Regulations, which so many of them apply to the state regulations as well. And then you want to have maybe a few of the, uh, the old court decision law books, but that can fill a big library. We don't need that. Maybe just a few of them, the most uh, poignant ones. Then we do need to have the computer set up for, for uh, LexisNexis and uh, West, uh, West, uh, West, what is it, West Lab, West Fall, West Law, of course, mm -hmm. West Law. Uh, we want to have those available for businessmen, plus uh, business journals and some technical journals as well, uh, scientific technical journals. You know, I think uh, I think we can do that. Uh, I think we could uh, come up with a, a good place to do it, possibly even around the mall, near the mall, or maybe even inside the mall. The way things are going up on that north end, I don't think we'd have any trouble getting some contributions, especially that law library. We've got plenty of lawyers, some of them ready to retire, and uh, they'd be proud to donate some of their law library to, to our city law library up north. Now, out on the east side, quite different. Uh, I see businesses growing out that way, but it's a, a large residential area and uh, a, couple of, a couple of schools, your middle school and grade schools and all. 
I'd like to see there perhaps a library annex that specializes in little children, like toddlers and grade, early grade schoolers. Our library right here at the South End, the main library is loaded with programs for little kids. And maybe we should have some out on the east side as well. Now off to the west, I'm not sure what that library would entail. I know I see some elderly homes there, uh, and but they of course are everywhere. Uh, it might be possible that we could find something of interest to the elderly out that way. Um, I don't think that uh, genealogy is the kind of thing that can be moved from our main library out to an annex, not very easily moved and not very easily, uh, you're not gonna find any shortcuts to that, I don't think. But we might be able to find something for another group of our citizens. We need to take care of all our people in many different ways. Good for the libraries, okay? I'd like to see this, the, uh, the uh, free and steady flow of traffic. I am personally uh, disturbed by the uh, uh, frequent closing of our streets or the blocking of our streets. I, uh, I was with the uh, uh, Razorback Transit for a while. I should have mentioned the bus driving things, but uh, truck driving, bus driving, yeah. Uh, but uh, when a bus goes, goes through the street, it needs a little extra room, you know? When somebody in a parking spot opens their driver door, uh, the bus needs even a little more extra room. So what we need to do is take some of the obstacles out of our narrow streets. I think we need to stop widening our sidewalks out of the streets and uh, leave our streets with a free and steady flow of traffic. I don't like what we see up on uh, the 400 block of North College, where the median, the turn lane has been turned into a median with trees and bushes. Uh, very pretty, I must say it's very pretty, but it cuts off the turn lane that approaches a very important intersection where you have uh, Lafayette and College. A lot of people might like to make a left turn there more than what that, that uh, truncated uh, turn lane permits. Also, I noticed that that uh, beautiful median cuts off the uh, left turn into a, a church parking lot, a church driveway. And uh, that bothers me, but uh, I noticed that on the other side, it does not block off the turn into uh, a lawyer's driveway. Hmm, yeah, that does bother me, but I'm not gonna argue about that. It's just, let's open up that turn lane. That would be the simplest thing. And uh, I do want to give our current mayor a little credit for that flyover we have up north. That's big and bold and important. And it really did relieve the, the uh, traffic congestion at Arkansas's busiest intersection in the entire state. It was a terrific, uh, that's one of our big projects that really serves a lot of people. So anyway, uh, the traffic problems in the smaller areas, especially around the campus, we need to open up the free and easy flow of traffic. I've heard people complain, I haven't had the problem myself, but I've heard people complain that if you try to do a, a little business here in town, you try to open a business, you're going to have all kinds of reg reg <clears throat> regulations and restrictions. And you're going to have to stand in line for a long time 
to get up there where you can jump through a lot of hoops to uh, finally get yourself uh, certified and, 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 uh, and registered. I don't think that's a good idea for a town that should be wanting to grow and support the businesses we already have. Now, I don't know a lot of details about these regulations and, and things, but as mayor, it won't take me long to find out. I'm sure there will be plenty of people willing to tell me all about it, and I'll be willing to listen. What we wanna do is make it easy. We wanna streamline the process, streamline the process of getting people back to business. We've got people, let's face it, folks, we've got people who have their life savings invested in this. Their, uh, their parents' life savings and grandparents' life savings. The family farm is invested in a business. They borrowed money against it. And now with COVID-19, yeah, they're having a tough time. They need all the help they can get. They do not need all the instruction obstructions we can create. We've got to streamline the process for our businesses. We've got to make it as easy as we can make it. As easy with safety and health in mind, as easy as we can make it for them to continue in business and pay off that mortgage, pay the rent, pay, 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 taxes, insurance, you name it, you know that. Okay, uh, when I go to, uh, and, I, and I don't go very often, but when I go to a, uh, a council meeting, it has been my pleasure, along with so many other people, to stand up and speak for three minutes. I have only done that once, uh, and it was gratifying. But I noticed that uh, I speak, and maybe they'll take notes of my questions or my comments, and that's it. I believe there should be a dialogue involved there. A lot of things cannot be answered on the spot. They have to be looked into. You've got to do some, a little investigation, do a little homework. But a lot of those questions that people might have could be answered on the spot. And we, as council and the mayor, we should strive to prepare ourselves. Goodness, if I were there for 12 years, I would certainly want to open up a question and answer session at the meetings. However, again, I have to compliment this mayor. He has stayed up into the wee hours of the morning to hear everyone gets a chance to speak. That's heroic. I admire Mayor Jordan and he's done a terrific job in his own way. Uh, I would do different things, but I would like him to take a vacation. Let's, uh, let's call it a sabbatical. And I think he deserves a vacation. He's earned it. He's earned a vacation. Uh, he should be able to visit some exotic cities around the world. He should be able to take his wife out to dinner, to the theater. He should be able to go sailing and play some golf. This man deserves a vacation. He has put in long hours, everything I've heard, I believe it. I believe he's there at 6.30 in the morning and I believe he's there until everybody else closes. I believe every word of that. He's a good mayor, but he deserves a vacation and we, the people, we do deserve it. A little change in the uh, focus of attentions. Uh, let's see. Uh, I, I believe those are my high points. Uh, do you have any questions arising from those? If, if, if I could start, um, you proposed a number of things, the expansion of the you know, satellites of the library and a new swimming pool and all that kind of thing. Do you think those things can be done within the existing budget of the city? Or, uh, and if so, what, where are you going to look to find the money to pay for those things? What, part, what parts of city government services will you 
will you reduce in order to make room for it, or or will they have to be? Will they need to be funded in some other way? Well, I'm I'm sure that these things are set aside for one purpose and another, but all that money we're spending on sidewalks right now is a pretty good example, and all that money we've already spent on medians instead of a turn lane to fill in and block off a turn lane, that's another good example. Yeah, we could save some money on some of our big schemes by simply not doing that. And that money could go somewhere else. Our credit's pretty good as far as I can tell. Uh, the Keynesian theory of economics, hey, yeah, your credit's as good as the bond market, got it? And this is an important city. We're gonna have good credit, we can raise money, and we've got plenty of taxes. And by the way, we've got 25,000 students who spend probably $40 a day that's a million dollars a day they're bringing into our city from all over the state and other states, okay? I'm glad this university's opened up. Uh, we're, we should be pretty well off. We should be able to do the things for our people that uh, we'd like to do. Uh, our people have gone for a few years with, I'm not gonna say short change, and I'm not gonna say neglect, but a little, oversight or undersight. Other things have been too important. Something clicked on my computer. Ding, ding. Was that you? Uh, other things have been more important. We need to get down to our people on their day-to-day -day basis, their daily lives. That needs to become a little more important. Uh, the money, yeah, we can get it. I'm not worried a bit about getting the money. We've got it. Okay. You um, mentioned that, uh, I mean, it sounds to me like you're, you're fairly uh, satisfied with uh, the mayor's performance overall, uh, even though you do want to help him, uh, you know, uh, take some time off and, and take a vacation. Um, uh, I, when you talk about listening to more people, um, uh, I, I, I assume you, you have come to some conclusion that he's, uh, that, that a certain group or groups have his ear, but other people are not listened to what help me to understand how you've reached that conclusion. Sure. As the years pass, you become accustomed to, uh, getting good advice and, uh, good technology, good popularity and good financing, all that you become and good ideas, good projects from the same crowd probably involves some people from the university. When a university is in town, no matter where you are, even a, a little junior college, like we have in my hometown, uh, the scholarly people, these educators, these people who have state resources, tend to add big ideas. They tend to uh, have a big voice at the city council. And invariably, they might hold one or two city council seats. They're well represented, as they should be. And, uh, and that's kind of how these things work. Uh, I don't think NWACC, NWAC, up at, uh, up at Rogers or, 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 uh, or Bentonville, uh, I believe it's in Rogers technically, uh, but I don't think it has a great big voice in the uh, business affairs of the city of Rogers, you see. The University of Arkansas is an over, this is the 900 pound gorilla, and it's a nice gorilla to have in town. But uh, we do need to not be overwhelmed by it. We need to be able to resist those temptations, you understand? And uh, 
the urge to get big things done, uh, that's so tempting. And, uh, and I believe that uh, this very good man, Mayor Jordan, has been overwhelmed and he needs to uh, let those responsibilities and those, uh, those uh, uh, commitments uh, fall from his shoulders for a time. When he comes back, I think he'll be very happy with what he sees us having done. Now, I have resolved that I am not gonna say anything bad about Mayor Jordan because I think he's a great guy. I believe he loves our city, okay? It's just the circumstances that he's been caught in for so many years. We, the people, have to take the initiative to break it up, open up the conversation, and uh, more or less take charge in a little different way. That's our duty. That's uh, possibly not his duty. It's, you know, he's got a hope. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Overwhelming circumstances might require some overwhelming responses. That's what we need. So uh, it, it sounds to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you're, you're speaking more of from a theoretical level in terms of uh, you, you feel like that anybody that is in office for an extended period of time is just naturally going to kind of uh, evolve a, a certain group of people who they listen to. Um, and, yeah. and that perhaps this isn't specific to, to what you've witnessed in Fayetteville, or, or do, you, do you get that from having witnessed him listening only to one group of people and not listening to others? No, I can't be a witness to these uh, problems, this problem, but uh, we look at the results, okay? Now mm. listen, now listen, um, if I may, uh, a lot of people would think, yeah, we need term limits. That's it. Cut it right off right there. That's a cutoff. No, that's not necessarily how it has to be. When you find a good man, you don't want to just throw him out with the bath, throw, throw him out with the bathwater or something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, in Ohio, I've noticed uh, a governor can serve two terms, two four-year terms. Then he has to sit out for a, a term. And after he's set out for a term, he can come back and serve another two terms. And he can keep doing that. There's no limit to that, the number of terms. And I believe that uh, I have read something like that. No, no, I think that's the way it is with our mayors. Uh, there's no limit to the number of terms that our Americans seek. But uh, uh, a little interval there to kind of break things up and widen the conversation is what we need. That's exactly what we need a vacation, a sabbatical. Uh, you, you've got to understand, it's, not, it's a simple ideal. So uh, if you were elected, uh, yes. would you, would you um, uh, pledge to only serve two, one, two, three terms, and then take your own sabbatical? Would that be? <laughs> uh, 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 Rusty? I don't have to make a pledge like that. I'm 73 years old and four years sitting on that council and, and, and hassling with all the plumbing problems in this, in this city uh, and the uh, uh, <laughs> arguments that come to us, e even from the university. And looking at those wonderful ideas and having to, having to ask myself, should I go that way too? Uh, no, after four years, you don't even have to ask me to, to, to take a vacation. I'll be out of here so glad. <laughs> I, I really, I really don't uh, uh, relish 
an awful lot of terrible hard work, you know, but I do want to live up to a very high standard that Lionel has set. I, want, I would hope to live up to that standard at least through one term if, if I could last that long, you know, if I could endure it for so long. Lionel Jordan's still a young man. He may not know it, but he is. Um, I, I did feel like we needed to address the, the issue of your past uh, because okay. I, I think there's the, the question of whether you're even eligible to, to, uh, to hold the office. Um, the, uh, uh, you, you've got a, a record in Oklahoma in terms of uh, a conviction and a, a sentencing, I believe it was for arson and that you, you've served time for that. Um, That's correct. And the, uh, you know, have you taken a look at Arkansas's law and as, as far as eligibility to, to hold this office? And if you did get elected, should people expect there to be a challenge to your, your uh, uh, authority to even hold that office? Not at all. Uh, someone might challenge it, but they'll quickly find out in court that uh, I'm, I'm good to go on this. Okay, let me go ahead and explain there. Uh, yes, I have served 20 years in prison. That's right, 20 years in jail. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed of it at all, the way the results came out. I do have some things to be ashamed of, that's for sure. Uh, I was a second lieutenant in the Air Force and uh, I couldn't fly, so I was tied to a desk and I wanted to go to Vietnam, doggone it, getting some kind of a training and reassignment to Vietnam. So uh, all my requests were just bouncing off the wall. Uh, first of all, President Nixon was in charge and he had promised to get our troops out of Vietnam. That was a campaign promise of his. So he wasn't anxious to send any unnecessary unflying troops like me over there. So uh, I went to Washington DC to lobby for a transfer to Vietnam. Doggone it, I didn't want to be tied to a desk. You'll never believe what happened. Washington, I mean, you can smell power and influence in the air. Uh, the cherry blossoms smell great, but you can smell that power everywhere you go. Uh, um, I, I ran into a bunch of people just by accident, bumped into some big shots, okay? And very soon afterwards, I was, even that very same evening, I was uh, kind of tapped on the shoulder and rushed into the communist underground, okay? These were big shots in, in like Washington government, okay? Uh, US government big shots. And uh, that very evening, I was tapped on the shoulder and uh, what a snow job. I was rushed into the communist underground. That's an interesting process. Uh, very interesting discussions, lots of uh, humor, several drinks, uh, more enough that I should not drive. And so someone drove my car out to the uh, beautiful river banks out there and, and uh, met a lot of people and they were all very convincing. And I thought, wow, uh, no kidding. I opened my eyes to different stuff and yes, I fell for it. I fell for it. Stupid lieutenant. I would probably make Lieutenant Kelly look like a, a hero and a genius, but I fell for it. Anyway, we went, I went back to Columbus, Ohio, where I was stationed. And this was around the time of the Kent uh, State debacle, uh, the Kent State tragedy. Uh, I uh, 
our our my little communist cell. I finally met together with my communist cell, and we had a had a few meetings. And then this uh, uh, Kent State had such an influence; it kind of like changed everything. Uh, and so uh, they decided that uh, we needed something to uh, we needed to turn to violence because. Uh, the National Guard killed some kids, so uh, kind of opened the door to violence. So what we did was we uh, planted six bombs around Columbus. Now only two of them went off, but as a novice, a new comrade trying to become a true comrade and having to go through the ordeals, five ordeals with the five points on the star and all that stuff, uh, I had to plant three of those and uh, only one of those three went off. Anyway, I look back on this and I look back at the instructions that they had and the conversations they had and uh, they had uh, decided somebody from Washington, why should I be tied in with big shots, you know? Uh, somebody from Washington, I believe, had decided that I need to be found in the rubble of a, uh, of, of a terrorist event. Now, what really drove this was that Nixon was coming to town in just a few days. So we picked a Saturday. I believe he was coming on a Wednesday. We picked the Saturday just before that visit. The object of the game was to keep President Nixon from coming to town. And the theory was that if we could do that, he would be locked in the Beltway for the rest of his term. He couldn't get out to the country and talk to the people. So it was... Uh, a good theory anyway, but uh, actually it didn't work. Uh, nobody got killed, thank God, and uh, I got hurt more than anybody else. I don't know that anybody else got hurt, but uh, I had to uh, get uh, fixed with a broken leg and I had to go to jail for six years. Did I say six bombs? Six years, that's right. Remember that now, remember that. And by the way, President Nixon, my favorite president now, President Nixon came to Columbus as promised on schedule. And, uh, and he was welcomed with open arms as I remember. Now, so I spent, so got that. So I spent six years in jail. Well, it was kind of like a vacation, all your responsibilities. You got food, shelter, you don't know what's gonna, you don't have anything to do tomorrow. So just stay in shape and stay out of trouble and let the time pass, you know? It's a vacation. At least it seemed like that to me. But uh, I just uh, kept my mouth shut and I uh, uh, kept my head down and I was a good little good little prisoner. And uh, finally, after six years, I got out and went back to Oklahoma. Oklahoma then was in charge of dismissing my parole and they did. And Oklahoma, uh, uh, and Oklahoma's in charge of the case. Okay, now, uh, another six or seven years went by and it turned out that the, that the underground, the communist movement had reorganized into this weather underground. You've all heard of that. And that happened while I was in jail. So I didn't know anything and I wasn't really uh, interested in getting uh, too chummy with anybody there in jail uh, because I didn't know who would be uh, underground, who would be, uh, Intelligence, you know, it's like, that's it, man. You're in politics, you gotta be careful. So, so I, uh, for six or seven years, I was out of contact. And then 
I discovered some things. You, you read the writing on the wall and then you have to dance to the music, okay? I discovered some things that they were doing which they had not really explained, had not really uh, admitted. I do, I do, excuse me, just a second. I do, yeah, I appreciate that history. I, I, and, and I appreciate understanding kind of what the prison background is, but relative to your authority to hold office in Arkansas, help me to understand why you feel like that, that is not really a, why that's a settled deal. Sure. Okay. No matter what Arkansas law says, no matter, um, my case is handled and it was given from Ohio, given to Oklahoma, and Oklahoma is in charge. Oklahoma statutes say that as soon as I finish my sentence, as soon as I've completed my sentence or parole or whatever, and it is finished, um, than 20 years ago, I can vote, I can hold public office, and I can carry a gun too, believe it or not. That's true. This is Oklahoma. We're the country. We're the heartland of the nation, Oklahoma, Arkansas, together. Uh, that's a big heart, buddy. We're the heartland. Uh, I think you guys understand that. Now, here's the Supreme Court business, okay? Once civil rights are restored, they cannot be taken away again without due process. So in order for Arkansas to, uh, to block my right to vote, my right to fi- take office, my right to carry a gun, but Arkansas would have to go through due process of law just just uh, all over again, as if from square one. Get it? And okay. that's Supreme Court, Supreme Court, okay? That's U.S. Supreme Court stuff. All right. And and just in our last couple of minutes, uh, uh, specific to the voters, so the, the, the people who you're asking to cast a ballot, um, uh, uh, you know, obviously they, they may have some questions about it, uh, and, and, uh, just explain sure. to them why you feel like it's, it's, it really shouldn't be that big a deal for them, uh, as far as right. voting for um, you for mayor. Why on earth would anybody who did things like that, which I am ashamed of, uh, I'm ashamed of being so stupid that I let myself be called into that kind of stuff. It was an influential crowd, but you should never be that stupid. Um, so why would I be redeemed of any of that? Well, the seven, another six or seven years passed. I couldn't get in touch with those guys. I realized then what the big, big shots were really up to, and it was quite different than an ordinary, just an ordinary communist revolution. Oh no, it was bigger than that. Uh, so I, having had access to these people, I contacted the general manager of the Cultural Revolution, that's got to be his real title. And he was upset by the way I addressed his secret business and uh, his undercover business. And on the guise of suggesting something else that might be better, he came to visit me and uh, we did not get along. And those, that about uh, two minutes that we were together and he quickly left, uh, we didn't get along. Well, I uh, I tried to uh, try to repeat this offer and urge my viewpoint. And there was a period of other people we negotiated back and forth. And finally, I was lured to go back to Columbus, Ohio. Okay, we'll go back to Columbus and we'll try out this other idea that I have. Okay, so so uh, 
after a few months there, and I'm undercover, I can't do anything. I made an unauthorized phone call to a friend of mine, and he said, hey, man, the police are looking for you because uh, the place where you work burned down. And I, well, when was that? Uh, well, that was just about the time you left or so. Okay, okay. So there are three things going on. They either want to embarrass me, obviously. They want to get rid of me, obviously, uh, one way or another. And uh, they also are probably wondering who's backing me on this deal of resisting them. And they might be wanting to punish a lot of other people, innocent people. Nobody was backing me, nobody. But I sure didn't want to tell them that at that point. So what I did was go back uh, and uh, uh, contrived a little uh, traffic accident. And, uh, um, and I, uh, and when police got around, I was arrested for uh, uh, drunk driving. I felt sober as a judge, believe me, but I did want to have that stuff on my breath. So anyway, uh, and I went in that room and I rolled over the longest list of names you can tell, you can imagine. Uh, you, I'm not good with names, but boy, those names came back to me. I mean, the, that pretty girl in the mini skirt with the, with the tall boots, the knee boots. Yeah, I remember them all, buddy. Uh, the whole list of names, and uh, including those big shots in US government. And most of those people were my age. But here's the trick. Those people are getting just as old as I am now. And a lot of them have retired. And a few of those people have, on that list of names have died already. So I believe it's time for this. I uh, gave that list of names uh, to actually it went to, to the administration. So it's the Teflon case. All right. Uh, I'm Ronald Reagan's Teflon. And uh, only Jesus could take a stupid little pawn like me and move him into a, a place on the checkboard like that. So, so uh, you ultimately feel that uh, the voters uh, should, should look past that, uh, that you've moved on, you're, you're doing other things. I don't know if they should. They're going to have to decide that themselves, but I'll tell you this, they can. The more they know uh, what actually happened and what came out of it, on uh, the first couple of weeks of 1983, the Teflon case went into effect. President Reagan shut down that revolution, and the same people who had been burning the flag a week ago, they stood up and they saluted that flag right along with everybody else as if nothing had ever happened. And we have been going on like that ever since. But I'll tell you this, the stuff you're seeing in the streets today and the stuff you saw in the streets four years ago after the last election, get ready. Because the population of the world has doubled since 19, well, since Dallas, that's when it began. The population of the world has doubled. And some of these big important people with lots of resources feel like the rest of us are destroying their planet. And they intend to do something about it. I hope well, we have we have uh, run over our time, uh, but I wanted to give you a chance to explain all of that. I do appreciate it a lot. We're trying to keep all of these interviews uh, basically right around 30 minutes just to try to be fair with everyone. So okay. uh, I appreciate that. Rusty, did you have anything else? No, no, I do appreciate you spending some time with us today, though. Thank you. Okay, I appreciate your need for time. And by the way, you got just up to my bragging rights and you cut me off. I wish that we could talk again. Uh, I, I, um, 
I uh, want to thank you guys for giving me the time, and I think you've been perfectly fair in all your questions, and very patient to. Uh, uh, I could be long-winded, couldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, we uh, we wish you well in the campaign, and uh, uh, you'll be on the ballot uh, come November third, and uh, and uh, and with early voting and all. So, um, uh, good luck in the campaign, and uh, we'll see how things turn out on November third. We we appreciate your time, Rusty and Greg. Thank you very much. Have thank a good you. day.